Folks, before we start this morning, I, uh, I'm moved to pray for two families. You know, Stella Summers passed. We're going to pray for her family, but I want to lift up Karen and Paige today, too. Um, as I'm missing Bill a lot this morning, you know, we laid him to rest this week. So let's pray together first before we start. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray over the family of Stella Summers, Lord. I know they're lost, Father. We know what it is to lose someone. I just want to lift this family up to you, Lord, and ask for your comfort for them. Uh, the service will be tomorrow, Father, and I know that there'll be plenty of heart, uh, hearts that are hurting. So, Father, we just lift that family up to you today. And, Father, I want to lift uh, especially up our, our sister Karen uh, and Paige. Father, I, just, I love them so much. Father, we all do. And I know how bad she's hurting, and it hurts me that she's hurting. And that's how brothers and sisters in Christ should be. Father, I just pray you just shower love on her right now. Just comfort her, Father. She needs your peace. I know Paige needs it too, but Father, I just, my heart's going out to Karen right now, Lord, and I'm just asking you, Father, please just love on her today. Just comfort her. We pray over that family, Lord. I know Bill is going to be, it's it's just a huge hole even up here on the stage not having him, Father. I just pray for all of us, Lord, as we absorb what's happened here, Father, and deal with it. We ask for your peace and comfort, Lord, for all of us for this loss, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, I hope you're in your Bibles. uh, You turn there to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, we're going to look at verses 1 through 17. The title of today's sermon is called The Preparation of a Christian. Now, I've talked about preparation before. This, I think, was way back um, when I was talking about us being more like soldiers. It might have been a Memorial Day or Veterans Day. I can't remember exactly. But we talked about preparation. But this is, this is going to be a, a different angle because we have a text here that is um, being a letter, mind you, being written to Timothy. And it's a very, very important text. So if you're there, uh, 2 Timothy 3, let's look at verse 1 here. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of uh, pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and at Conium and at Lystra which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, 
while evil people are imposters, would go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That is our text for the day. A lot is happening here. A lot is happening here. You guys, do you remember, this is an old TV show, it was called Doomsday Preppers. Does anybody remember that show? Oh, my, oh, goodness, I may be the only one that ever watched it. Okay, well, it, was, it, 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 it got weird. I stopped watching it. I don't even know if it's on the air anymore. But doomsday preppers were people that were preparing for a particular event. Uh, let's say economic collapse, uh, societal collapse or disorder, uh, an electric ma- electromagnetic uh, pulse, volcanic eruption, fires, um, Uh, pandemics, terrorist attacks, chemical warfare, basically any event that was apocalyptic in nature, they were preparing for it. Um, And for them, it was the end of things as we know it. It got weird. At first, it was good. I enjoyed the positive attributes of the show because I enjoyed seeing how people grew their plants, self-sustenance, how they caught game, how they stored this particular food to keep it safe how they cleanse the water, solar power, wind power, water. I loved all that. I love self-sufficiency. But then the drills that people were doing and the things they were prepping for and how they went about doing it, it got, it just became weird. And I lost interest. But I thought of this show in preparing this sermon because I know that when it snows here, to go buy bread and milk, y'all have taught me that. If it's going to snow, Pastor Mark, go get bread and milk because it's gone. You know what COVID taught me? Stock up on toilet paper. Y'all remember that? Right? So we buy toilet paper. If there's going to be another outbreak, I am going to buy a lot of toilet paper. You know, we prepare for these things. I have a go bag at home. I used to teach survival. I taught it for years. I have a go bag at home, yay big, waterproof. In it, I have tools to make a shelter. I have tools to cleanse water. I have tools to build fires. I have tools to fish or catch small game. And there's things in there to protect me if someone wants to take that bag. It's a go bag. I had a small RV before we moved here, 17 feet long, the cutest thing you've ever seen, full kitchen, full bath. All five of us could sleep in this tiny thing. But in all the compartments, I had everything we needed to live for months other than food. We'd have to hunt for that or fish for that. But I was prepared. It was a go RV. We used it many times for hurricanes. All we had to do was throw some clothes in there and go. It's all about preparation. And that show I was telling you about, although it took a nosedive, it showed people preparing for difficult times as they saw it. And we, too, have to prepare for difficult times. The Bible alerts us to this need to prepare. And in fact, Paul himself is preparing Timothy for this very thing. So let's talk about times of difficulty. These are the last days. That's what the Bible's saying. Let me define the last days for you. It's from basically the uh, day of Pentecost to now. 
or from Jesus' resurrection to his second coming. But to define it, make it more specific, it's for you and I right now in this moment till Jesus' return. Folks, we are in the last days. It's the church age. Even Paul, the disciples thought they were in the last days. And truthfully, they were because it's the church age. So yes, we are facing difficult times, but folks, difficult times are coming, and we must know why these difficult times are coming, and we must, more importantly, know how these difficult times threaten our church. Church, you are being threatened. And if you're anything like me, I do not like to be threatened, and I'm willing to bet you're the same. I do not like to be threatened. However, we are being threatened. So preparation is in order. Preparation is in order. And, you know, looking at the word difficulty, that word translates into, into grievous or, or hard to bear or painful. This is our world that we live in opposing Christ and his purposes. And this will cause us, God's people, grief and pain. To pump myself up for today, I stayed up really late last night watching videos of people blaspheming God, mocking God. A lot of them are big celebrities, big status celebrities, and have a huge following. And I listened to the horrible things that they called us and how they mocked God. And I was grieved, I was in pain. And I know I did it to myself, I watched that, but it was for a purpose. I felt that. Now I know that my pain, my persecution in that is nothing compared to countries outside the US where it ranges to faith, fatality and to torture, I get that. We're not there yet. We don't know if that's gonna turn, that could be. But times of difficulty grieve and pain the Christian because they're opposing our God and his purposes. Now this verse in three, the very ch- chapter three, verse one, it says, but understand this. Timothy, you need to understand something. This is Paul connecting chapter two and dealing with false teachers that God may perhaps grant them repentance. I wanna read a verse, 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 21. We'll put it up for you. Now in a great house, There are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. That's right. The dishonorable can be cleansed and made honorable, meaning they can be useful to the master. And when it says ready for every good work, ready means prepared, prepared for that work. And that is the hope that these people might come around to the truth instead of opposing it. You and I feel the same way. I hope people in this world will come around to the truth instead of opposing it. But we have to realize something here, and this is what Paul wants to communicate to Timothy as well. We need to realize and this is Timothy, he is not always going to be able to reach and win over these opponents. You and I aren't either. We will not always be able to reach and win over opponents that we face. So 
Timothy has to be careful with his expectations. So do we. These opponents to the gospel are the reason for the difficult times. Are you ready for this? Difficult times is because of people. Difficult times is because of difficult people. Look at verse 2. For people will be. For people will be. There's 19 things he lists here. You heard me read the scripture. It went on and on and on. These are things that I call counterfeit. See, what God has made is beautiful and good. What does Satan do? He comes and turns it upside down. It's counterfeit. Another title for this sermon would have been, that would have been perfect is called Misplaced Love. Satan wants to take your love and misplace it. Instead of placing it where it should be with God, he wants to misplace it. Rather than be lovers of God, misplace that love. So all these characteristics, they're nothing new. They were nothing new to Paul and Timothy. They're nothing new to us, right? People have always been like this who live apart from grace. We know this all too well. But let's talk about counterfeit. Satan does this. Genesis 3, 2 through 5. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And there's the counterfeit. The father of lies, here's the great deception, right? And to this day, we have lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure, and all these other negative, fraudulent qualities that go along with it that contribute to this misplaced love and worldly living coming from Satan. And the world embraces this misplaced love. The world embraces misplaced love. See, people were created and designed to love God, but Satan has created the counterfeit and led people away from God, causing the misplacement of their love. Satan leads people astray into this, misplaced love. The world encourage you that this misplaced love is genuine and right, and then the self falls right into line with its thinking and living. Just like that. Satan, world, and self. People will be the reason for the difficult times. But why is this information that Paul is presenting so vital to the Christian? Why do we have to prepare for such people who are, and as verse 2 states, will be these things? Because that's what it's telling us. The difficult times are because of these people who will be these things. Because doesn't the Bible just tell us just to avoid such people? When we talk about avoiding such people, we're talking about not compromising with their ideology, their beliefs. We're talking about not hanging out with a group of people that will influence us to sin against our God. We're talking about not being absorbed into a group that would lead us astray. Folks, we'll be a witness to these people. We'll be a testimony to these people. We can show kindness to these people, but our avoidance is we don't sway from the truth, and we are unmovable. You will not move us from what we believe in. So we avoid such people. But again, 
Paul, tell us why. Why do we have to be prepared for these people who are and will be these things? Well, it starts right there in verse 6. For among them are those from that group of people with these horrible qualities that are causing the difficulty, from among those people, there are those who will creep in. Scripture tells us they will creep in. The world creeps into the church, folks. It's, do, it's happening right now. There are churches out there that have absorbed the world. You know what? It, we gotta be accepting. You know what? We need, culturally, they're probably right. You're, they're probably right. I know what God's word says, but we're probably gonna need to absorb what, we just wanna get along. You've seen those bumper stickers, coexist, and then it has every religion in the world, right? Coexist. I understand coexistence, but I will never bend ever. I am unmovable in my faith, so it's hard for me to agree with churches that would bend to culturally relevant issues. It's hard for me to accept uh, allowing worldly thought into God's house. It'll never happen with me. Mm-mm. And I know you're the same. So we look at this misplaced love, and the people there are creeping in. And Paul wants Timothy to stay vig- uh, uh, vigilant. Excuse me. He wants him to stay vigilant in this because we too, you and I, must steer clear of this kind of compromise. Now I understand not all people will manifest all of the counterfeit characteristics listed by Paul. I get that. But what he's saying is that these will be the norm among the sinners in their broken human condition. Those that creep in, these things will be the norm for them. This is what they're bringing in. If I came to your house and your healthy family's about to sit down to dinner and I come in with my nose running, coughing, I can barely talk, please let me just come eat, you know, and you know I'm sick as a dog, would you let me come sit at your table and eat food with your healthy family. No, you'd be like, oh, can you come back when you're better, when you're healthy and made right? Right, you wouldn't want me sitting with your family, yet churches all over the United States are saying, no, come on in. I think we can work it out. Let me just say, ah, yeah, maybe, God, maybe what God meant was this. Paul is preparing Timothy. See, I know that not all people will have these qualities, all of them, but they will possess one or some. And we have to remember that the church is surrounded by these difficult people who in turn bring about difficult times. Jesus, I got to bring up my Lord and Savior, Jesus. We think that we are the reason sometimes, we can conquer this. I'll win them over. I know exactly what to say. Jesus is the only one who can transform a person who is living out one or more of these characteristics that we've read about this morning. He is the only one who can bring them back under grace, moving them from misplaced love to placed love. That is loving him. That is the real thing. These will creep into households. The Bible tells us not only our church, these people will creep into households, and it talks about capturing weak women. Now, ladies, Paul is not stating that women are weak in general. This is not a blanket statement. This is particular women in this time and in this area. They will sneak in, and it's a situation like this. It's a, it's, it's a, 
if the shoe fits. I think that's the best way to put it, if the shoe fits. He is talking about particular women who choose to follow the error and falseness of these teachers and their message. See, these women he's talking about, they're influenced by their sinful desires, by their passions, and false teachers capitalize. They exploit them. They exploit their sinful nature for their own purposes. You know what we call that? In a sense, you know what we call that? Predators. I do not like predators. I bet you're the same way. Predators. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul wants Timothy to be vigilant in recognizing these predators, these people that oppose and who are in error. Scripture says that these women are always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. That's in our Bible. Folks, there is a great danger. All right? I'm going to hope I'm not stepping on toes, but there is a great danger in keeping an open mind to whatever someone might be suggesting. I've been in many, many conversations where I've heard the most absurd, absurd things. And to keep an open mind, uh-huh, uh-huh, and absorb that, well, here's the danger. Minds that remain open to all these different types of teaching never find themselves grounded in truth. Oh, well, tell me, okay, well, now tell me about yours. Okay, tell me. Never grounded in truth. And that's what's happening to these women. See, instead, and this happens today, instead fads come in. Uh, culturally relevant movements come in. Uh, self-centered religions come in. And they ensnare these women. They ensnare people today, leaving them ungrounded in what God has to say and teach. I don't care about God and what he has. Do you hear what this guy's saying? Now that's what I'm into. That's the world we live in. They are difficult people who will bring difficult times. And you know what Paul brings up? A great example. <clears throat> he brings up Janez and Jambres. Now these are magicians, counterfeits, from Exodus 7. That's where the story is. <clears throat> Excuse me. These magi uh, magicians, they served Pharaoh. And they, were, they imitated the miracles that Moses was performing in order to distract from the message, to distract from the one true God. That was the point, right? They were opposing the truth. So the teachers here, Paul is preparing Timothy for these teachers because they're going to do the same thing as these two men did. They're going to distract from the truth. Moses and Aaron were confirming their message. Now hear me, they were confirming their message to Pharaoh through miracles. Staff turned into the snake, right? The frogs, the river, the Nile turning red, blood. But Pharaoh summons his magicians and they somehow imitate these miracles, either through Satan's power or sleight of hand, an illusion. Absolutely, it could have been an illusion. It's more probable that it was. Here's why. They were only able to copy a few of these miracles. And this gets me going. God's power in the execution of the plagues was too much for these counterfeit magicians to handle. They couldn't imitate it all. They had some tricks up their sleeves, but they could not imitate it all. This is how he did that, Pharaoh. Pharaoh, this is how they did that. You don't got to buy into this. 
But then the plagues went on and on. <laughs> oh boy, I wouldn't want to be the magicians. See, the point is this. They were distracting, uh, distracting from the truth. And this is exactly what false teachers do. Be prepared, Timothy. I can imagine Paul writing from his cell, be prepared, Timothy. Like I just stated, Janus and Jambres were unable, they were unable to keep up with the revelation, or the revelation, excuse me, that God was producing through Moses. Their folly would be revealed. Give it time. Their folly will be revealed just as these false teachers too would be exposed by the word that was being proclaimed in the churches. The word of God for you and I exposes false teachers. John 10, 27, because we know God. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Absolutely we do. Absolutely we know his voice. When someone comes in with a different voice, we recognize it. That's opposition. Something's not right. But can you recognize it? Paul wants Timothy to, I want you to, I'm sure you want me to. Can we recognize and step in to that opposition, that errored message? See, again, I'm going to say it. The reason for difficult times we will face and are facing now is because of people not arriving at a knowledge of truth. That's what it says in verse 7. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. See, Paul is writing to Timothy while he is imprisoned. He's in prison writing this letter. And he's about to be martyred. Time is limited for Paul. And he is writing to what he considers his son. He loved Timothy. He's writing to him because he wants to know, uh, he wants Timothy to know what he's going to face. Why he has still time to reach him and instruct him. It's very important to Paul. So look at verse 10, that very first word, you. You. Here is a sharp contrast to what has been said so far. Timothy has been and is following Paul's way of living, and he must continue in this truth that he has learned from Paul. So we have all this stuff, but then he says, you, Timothy, continue on. Now, contrary to what false teachers are teaching and living, Timothy is faithful. He is following Paul's way of living. He has conformed his beliefs to what Paul preaches and teaches, his conduct, his aim in life, which means his purposes, right? Paul's faith, his love for God and others, his steadfastness or endurance in the faces of difficulty. Timothy is being prepared to enter into suffering through Paul. Just as Paul suffered, he gives examples, Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Guys, in Lystra, Paul was stoned and dragged out of the city, supposing he was dead, he wasn't. Yet what happened? Paul continued to preach Jesus and him crucified in the very cities that tried to end him. That's amazing. Folks, all believers will face a measure of persecution. Timothy's preparation, what Paul was doing for him, made him unafraid. It made him alert and aware, and it made him unafraid. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Jesus understands and knows persecution is real, and he put it in the word for us. There's no reason to go, what? I'm going to be persecuted as a Christian? Absolutely. But do not misunderstand persecution, folks. A lot of people think about intense 
physical suffering. But this could be any form of mistreatment for the sake of Christ and his gospel. Any form. And this can include all those horrible characteristics that we read about in the beginning of this chapter. It could include those. Being persecuted for the sake of Christ. But brothers and sisters, persecution, to hear me, persecution can simply start with the verbal. And it can range all the way to the physical, even fatal. Mistreatment happens. I felt mistreated last night when I watched those horrible people saying those horrible things. I felt mistreated. I was grieved, and it was painful. Now, the false teachers, they are evil people and imposters. That's what the Bible's talking about here. They're the evil ones. They're the imposters. They may look like believers, but given enough time, you will see them for who they really are. And isn't that the way things go? If you and I hang out long enough and we're found to be in different situations, true colors are shown. You're going to see my folly. I'm going to see yours. We're going to see who's real. And given these guys enough time, we'll see who they really are. We can make claims about ourselves all, all the time, but time will expose us, won't it? Time will expose us. People will see who we are. And that's what's happening here because the Bible's telling us their behavior is going from bad to worse. I think that's being exposed from bad to worse. See, while they are being deceived, or excuse me, while they are deceiving, these people too are actually being deceived, not merely deceiving others, but deceiving themselves. Self-deception is a huge problem in our world. Actually believing their own folly, their own arid message, and they sincerely, they sincerely believe this false teaching. I have heard it said from another, these are not my words, I have heard it said that a person can be sincere and at the same time be sincerely wrong. I think we could all agree with that. Sincerity does not equal truth. So if someone comes at you passionately and is presenting, ooh, I like the way that sounds. It was attractive. Ooh, that'll benefit me. Right? Can you spot the error? Can you spot the falseness? This is what Paul is doing. He's building Timothy up to see this. And in verse 14, look at these first four words. But as for you, same thing in verse 10, you. We're talking about Timothy, and this is very important. Everybody look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. Now, contrary to the verse that said to be always learning but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth, the one we read earlier, look at the, look at the difference. Timothy has arrived at this knowledge, and he firmly believes he firmly believes. Paul wanted Timothy to be prepared and stay firm no matter how attractive the false teacher's message was. Listen, it may tickle other ears, but Paul wanted Timothy to be unmovable. And that's what I want for Grace Fellowship. To be unmovable, continuing in the truth. Paul states, not only to continue in what you've learned, but knowing from whom you've learned it. Oh boy, we have a responsibility here to our children. We have responsibility to our grandchildren, to the kids in this church, to each other, from whom you've learned it. In 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy, the verse for, uh, chapter there, 2 Timothy 1.5, it says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, 
a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I'm sure, dwells in you as well. And then in our verse, in our chapter, our reading today, in verse 15, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Here we see Paul reminding Timothy to continue in what he has learned from his grandmother and mother, appealing to their character and faith, being confident in what he has learned from them. I continue in my faith with you from what I learned from my grandmother and grandfather. I bet you're continuing your faith as well from your grandparents and your parents. We continue in faith with what we learn on Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, our discipleship groups, our friends. We continue in faith, being confident what we have learned from them. And what he learned, what Timothy learned, was from sacred writings. Timothy heard God's word and became a Christian. That's simple, isn't it? He heard God's word and he became a Christian. The word transformed him because his mother and grandmother were transformed by the very same word. Now this is where we get to the bread and butter. This is where we get to the bread and butter of our text here because we're gonna talk about all scripture. Talk about difficult times and difficult people and preparation. Let's talk about all scripture. All scripture equips the Christian for every good work. It's like an honorable vessel ready, ready to work. If Timothy is to stand firm in the faith, it will not be just because of his mother and grandmother's character or Paul's. It will be because of his trust in the Word of God that they shared with him. And as much as Timothy conforms to the things that Paul exhibits in his life and has followed, it will be because of the trust that he has in the Word of God. And again, this is because of the trustworthiness of those who taught him. He did not listen to false teaching. It did not infiltrate his family or his church. He was brought up in trustworthiness of the sacred writing. So, his confidence, his faith, his trust stands on Scripture, just as Paul does, as well as his mother and grandmother, in the power of what God's Word produces. And if you don't know that God's Word produces, there's an issue. There is an issue, because that's exactly what it does. And not just the letters in red, not just the letters in red, not just parts of the Old Testament, not just part of the New Testament, no, 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 all Scripture, God breathed. That means God is speaking to us. Is it profitable, though? Is it profitable to us like the Bible says? Is it beneficial? Is it useful? Is it advantageous, right? Do we, should we take advantage of this? Well, Teaching. Let's go with the first one. Teaching. Here is the truth being told. Here is what to, be, uh, to believe. It's the teaching. Reproof. This is the disapproval. This is the rebuke, if you will, where we find correction, right? And unsound doctrine and mistaken beliefs. And then correction itself. In this reproof, we find the correction. Uh, here is what not to do. Training. Well, that's the practice and education of right living. 
here is what you must do as a believer. It's actually that simple, folks. It's actually that simple. Teaching, reproof, correction, and training in all Scripture equips the Christian for every good work, making them at the ready, making them prepared. Author John Stott argues this. He says, these four terms address creed and conduct. Creed and conduct. Teaching and reproof relate to right doctrine, while correction and training and righteousness relate to right living. Now, I'm going to paraphrase, but he goes on to say this, that if our hope is to grow in ministry, if our hope is to overcome error and grow in truth, if our hope is to overcome evil and grow in holiness, which it should be, then it is to Scripture that we should turn because it is Scripture that is profitable for these things. So then Scripture is God-breathed and profitable so that it might produce something in the person who reads it, who studies it, who lives it. Are these things being produced in your life? If not, we have an issue. How are you going to recognize the counterfeit and the fake if you do not know how to recognize the real thing? See, recognizing the real thing in all Scripture makes the person of God, and in this text, Paul is speaking to Timothy, but I'm addressing all of us here today, it makes them complete, meaning the Bible, God's Word, enables believers to be capable of meeting whatever direction and demands God places on them by making them equipped for every good work. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say that again. God's Word enables believers to be capable of meeting whatever direction and demands God places on them by making them equipped for every good work. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. When God calls us, he equips us. And this is through Scripture, complete. Everything we need in preparation for this life and in godliness come from God's Word. Everything we need in preparation to be faithful to God and fruitful in His gospel comes from God's Word. This is the truth that you and I have come to acknowledge and that we want these that oppose Christ, this is the truth that we want them to acknowledge. Take the dishonorable vessel and make it honorable. So we must, in our preparation, be awake, beware, right? We must stay alert for people, preachers, spiritual leaders, teachers, anyone who separates Scripture and what God is doing in this world and us. You've got to stay alert. False teachers who sincerely believe in their error teaching speaking messages that scratch the ears of those who want to hear what they want to hear instead of hearing from God himself, these are the people we have to recognize. We have to be aware. We have to stay alert. We have to stay vigilant. And this is what Paul is doing as he is preparing to depart this world. But before he goes, he wants to encourage Timothy to stand on God's word so that he too will be prepared for the difficult people who will be the cause of the difficult times. The preparation of a Christian stands on God-breathed scripture. Now I'm about to close. Matthew 4, 19. I want to read this to you. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Amen to that. 
Guys, I've read Matthew 4.19 hundreds and hundreds of times. Let me just go ahead and tell you a secret. You cannot outgrow Scripture. I know you have many books in your library, and you've probably read them many times, and you know what's going to happen when you read it. Scripture's not like that. It's the living word. You can't outgrow it. I've read this verse so many times, but look at the implications of these four words. I will make you. I will make you. This is Jesus. God himself was preparing men. I will make you. He's preparing them. They were being prepared to carry on the work of God in this world. Their preparation came from the very mouth of Jesus. This is where our preparation comes. Folks, this is where our preparation begins, and this is where it ends. God breathed with the word of God. You cannot outgrow scripture because it is perfect and makes all who live by it complete. The Bible said it. That's not, that's not my words. That's not motivational speech. It makes us complete. So as we dig deeper and deeper into this book, we find all the more that these words are indeed God-breathed and profitable for the preparation of a Christian. So he says, I will make you. We have got to pray to our God, make us. Make us ready. Make us prepared because difficult times are coming because of the difficult people and those crazy, fraudulent, counterfeit features that they're going to bring with them to infiltrate the church. They're going to creep in, to infiltrate our families, our very lives. They will creep in just like the serpent creeped into that garden and deceived Eve. The great deception. The same thing happens to us personally and in our church. That is the counterfeit. That's what Satan brings. Can you spot it? See, God breathe. This is teaching, reproof, correction, Training, those four things are for you and I so that we know the real thing, the genuine article, and can spot the counterfeit. We don't need to study the counterfeit. We just need to study the real thing. That's how we recognize. So can you, brothers and sisters, can you see the benefit to this Bible? Can you see why it's profitable for you and I? This is just not a Sunday morning accessory we put on to complete our outfit. If this is something you're grabbing on Sunday mornings to come to church as an accessory, my brother, you and sister, you're lost. You're lost. This is an everyday book. This is our function, just like we eat and sleep and breathe. This should be a part of our lives. This is our training. This is our preparation. I will make you. God breathed. God's word makes us complete. It equips the Christian it readies the Christian. This is the preparation of a Christian. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I love you so much. Lord, I love you so much, and I love your word. I love your word. Father, it's powerful. It's living. For me, Father, I can read something so many times and then read it again, and it's something new. Father, you convict, you convict, you teach, you reprove. Father, you correct us, you train us, all in the preparation of dealing with trial and tribulation, with difficult times. But more importantly, you're preparing us for something awesome. You're preparing us for your return. Father, we're in the last days, whether it's the next two minutes, the next two years, the next 20 Father, we're in the last days, and you tell us, 
Difficult times are coming because of difficult people. Be prepared. Recognize them. Protect your families. Protect your church. Stand on Scripture because it's profitable for you. It's God-breathed. Lord, that's what I'm praying for today, that each and every heart here, Lord, sees your word as their training, as their preparation in this life and in the next, Father. Let us embrace every word you have for us. Let us grow, Father, as servants, as honorable vessels that are useful to you, useful to the master. Let us be at the ready to do your work. Let us be equipped to do your work. Let us be prepared, Father. If we're able to prepare for a snowstorm, Lord, we should be able to prepare for the things you ask us to be prepared for. Let us turn to your word. Father, let it be a part of our everyday living. That's my prayer for this church. It's my prayer for me. Lord, this is what we need. We thank you for it. We thank you for your God-breathed word speaking to us directly. Pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.